0: Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. After last week's break to discuss the current war in Israel, we are resuming this series on the red thread, tracing Jesus in the Old Testament. We ended with the books of 1st and 2nd Kings and will resume the study with 1st and 2nd Chronicles. The parallel in these two books is with Solomon as the son of King David and Jesus as the son of the King of Heaven. Solomon, of course, was human and started out well as a humble leader of Israel, but he eventually allowed his great God-given wisdom and enormous wealth and power to lead him away from following God with his whole heart. First Chronicles 7.12 says this about Solomon, He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Obviously, the Lord did not mean that Solomon would live forever. But Solomon's descendant, Jesus, was the Son of God, and his throne is forever. Since Jesus had no physical descendants, he will rule for eternity, and we as the church will rule with him forever. Ezra and Nehemiah were Old Testament prophets who were not only who not only guided the children of Israel into the ways of the Lord but they supervised the rebuilding of Jerusalem after Israel's return to the land from captivity in Babylon. The temple was the focal point of Jewish worship. it was a place where God met with his people where sacrifices were offered for sins, and judgment for those sins were rolled ahead for yet another year until Calvary. When Nehemiah first went to Jerusalem to evaluate the extent of the destruction there, he viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Nehemiah 2.13 The prophet then mobilized the priests, the officials, and the people who would help to rebuild the city and the wall to rise and to begin the process. He said, Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. So they said, Let us rise up and build, Nehemiah two seventeen and 18. As you can see, Nehemiah first went to the leaders to impart the vision of a rebuilt Jerusalem. Once they saw the need, they could then mobilize the people to support the building project. In the same way, Jesus is building his kingdom on the earth through the church. But also natural, earthly Jerusalem has been rebuilt in this generation. Before the Jews began returning to the land, it was a desolate, and in many places they were in ruins from centuries of neglect. Mark Twain described it on a visit there as a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but it's given over wholly to weeds. A silent, mournful expanse, a desolation is here that not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. But once the Jews were back in the land that God had promised them, it began to flourish beyond anyone's imagination. Today, Israel and its capital city of Jerusalem are once again in the forefront of the world's attention. Jesus is not only preserving his future city of world rulership, but he is working to save both Jew and Gentile and to break down the wall of partition that separates them. The book of Esther is the only book in the Old Testament that does not mention God by name. However, Esther and her cousin Mordecai, who had adopted Esther as an orphan child, were devout Jews. During the reign by the Persians in the region, Esther was taken into the king's house as a candidate to become his future queen. It was after she was selected and became the queen that the wicked man named Haman sought to destroy all Jews in the region. By fasting three days as a nation, Esther was able to go to the king, expose the plot, and save her people. Mordecai had said to her, Who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther 4.14 In the same way, Jesus came into the world in the fullness of time to bring salvation to the entire world. While Esther's life was spared, Jesus laid down his life and shed his blood that the world through him might be redeemed. The book of Job is probably the first book that was written in the Old Testament. It is the story of a righteous man whose pure life attracted the attention of Satan. This archenemy of God and man declared that Job only served God because of the benefits that God gave Job. He told God that if everything was taken from Job, that Job would curse God to his face. But God knew his man, and he allowed Satan to afflict Job in every way except to take his life. Job called on anyone who would be able to be a mediator between him and God, but no man could do that. Neither could any human be an advocate or a redeemer. This is where Jesus is pictured as the one, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. First Timothy two five. He has also become our advocate, which is like being having a lawyer working for us. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John two one. Jesus became the perfect redeemer for all of us, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Titus 2:14. Now, Job is a type of Christ in several ways. First, he was an intercessor for his friends who had a complete misunderstanding as to why Job was suffering such tragedies. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, but I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken to me that which is right as my servant Job has. Job 42, verse 7. While Job was enduring everything that Satan threw at him, he was rejected by his friends and even his wife, but he was vindicated by God himself at the end and given even more blessings than before. In the same way, Jesus became a servant and became obedient to the death on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, 9-11. to Job had done nothing to incur the suffering that Satan put on him. Likewise, Jesus was righteous and innocent of any sin. Even unbelievers recognized that. Pilate, Pilate's wife, and the centurion, who witnessed the moment that Jesus died, all declared him to be innocent and righteous. Even the Old Testament prophets declared that the one to come would be righteous. Righteous. But in his day Judas shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is the name by which he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, verse 6. We can lean on our sinless Savior knowing that because he is righteous, he will also make us righteous in his sight. The Psalms have multiple examples of representations of Jesus. One of the most familiar, of course, is the 23rd Psalm. David, as a young shepherd, was very familiar with the ways of sheep and their shepherds, and he compared the Lord to a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 1 6. This psalm reflect, reflects the tender care of the Good Shepherd for his sheep. In John's Gospel, Jesus describes himself as the only true shepherd and the good shepherd. He also states that he is the door of the sheepfold. First of all, Jesus is the true shepherd, and he states that that the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out, John 10.3. He also stated that as the true shepherd and the only way to God, that they must come through him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10, verse 9. He is the good shepherd who not only cared for the sheep, but loved them to the point of giving his own life for them. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10:11 and 14. In verse 1 of the 23rd Psalm, it says, I shall not want... This means that the Lord will provide all of the needs for the sheep. In Matthew 6, 32 and 33, Jesus states that we are not to worry about what to eat, drink, or wear, because he knows that we have need of all of those things. But if we seek him and seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then all of those things will be provided for us. Sheep love to have everything quiet and calm, and the good shepherd leads them besides still waters. He makes them to lie down in green pastures. Our natures, like those of sheep, are such that we love peace and comfort. The good shepherd leads us to those places in him, even though outward circumstances may be the opposite. The shepherd carried a staff with a curved end to pull a sheep back from danger. Only eternity will reveal the times that the Lord has pulled us away from dangerous situations when we may may not have even known that we were in danger. But there are times when the shepherd had to use the other end of his staff to bring an unruly sheep back to his place of safety. If a sheep persisted in straying from the flock or going to explore a place where he could fall, then the shepherd resorted to smacking the sheep on the backside to bring him back to the fold. In the same way, the Lord sometimes needs to use the rod to bring us back to safety. Neither the staff nor the rod are comfortable at the times that they are used on us. But later, when we realize the love that is behind their use, we are comforted by His protective care. Shepherds would check the sheep at night when they were herded one by one into the sheepfold. He would run his hands over their coats to remove any burrs or debris, and he would check for any wounds. Sandflies were a persistent danger that caused extreme itching and pain and could even lead to blindness if the eyes were infected. The shepherd used a fragrant oil on the heads of the sheep to repel those insects and to give them protection and relief. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit on our heads to repel the annoying attacks of our spiritual enemies. We are checked for wounds by the loving hands of Jesus as he caresses us when we come to him. He then lays down at the door of the sheep to keep us safe. Sheepfold to keep us safe from harm. Truly, he is the true and the good shepherd. Jesus. Did, David did not know that Jesus would be one of his descendants when he composed the psalms, but many of them contain prophecies of his future arrival, his birth, and even the manner of his death. In speaking of Jerusalem, David wrote this of the future Messiah. There will I make the horn of David grow, and I will prepare a lamp for my anointed ones. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. Psalm one thirty two eleven and 12. He is declared, declared to be the king of the Jews and the son of God. Yet have I set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me, and I shall give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Psalm 2 6 8. Psalm 110 is a prophecy of the future rule of Jesus. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110, 1, 2, and 4. And finally, Psalm 22 is known as the Psalm of Sobs because it is a prophecy of the crucifixion of the Messiah. "'My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint.' my heart is like wax it is melted within me my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws you have brought me to the dust of death for days for dogs have surrounded me the congregation of the wicked has encircled me they pierced my hands and my feet i can count all of my bones they look and stare at me they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots psalm twenty two verse one and twelve to eighteen David could not have known the horrible death that Jesus would endure by crucifixion, but his works are his words are a very accurate description of the agony that those who were crucified had to experience. Jesus was nailed to the cross with huge nails that pierced his wrists and feet without breaking any bones. A small bit of wood was under the feet to help support the weight of the body. The the person had to push up with his feet in order to get a deep breath. This caused excruciating pain in his feet and legs. The blood loss from the piercings as well as the beating on his back caused a lack of oxygen and his ability to breathe. His strength decreased rapidly. His bones were out of joint from the weight of his body, and his thirst was raging. While the soldiers waited for Jesus to die, they gambled for his clothing, especially the robe, which was a one-piece garment that was considered very valuable clothing in those days. So prophecy was fulfilled to the letter. Now we're going to take a break, and you can find out how to be witnesses in 177 different countries around the world. We will be right back.
1: Join us as we change the world.
0: Okay, welcome back. We are now in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is attributed to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, because he asked for wisdom from God to lead Israel as her king. It contains concise rules for living a life that avoids the many pitfalls that life can bring. One writer stated that it was the dear Abbey of the Old Testament. The Bible states that all Scripture is profitable, including instruction in righteousness. Proverbs is certainly a book that does that. The early church read Proverbs not only to gain wisdom for living everyday life, but the eighth chapter was a picture of wisdom itself, Jesus Christ. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way before His works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he repaired the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he assigned the sea its limit, so that the waters could not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men." Proverbs 8, 31 Solomon, of course, did not know of Jesus, the future Messiah. But the Apostle John writes of the beginning of the world in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 1 1-3, and verse 14. Jesus was with the Father in the beginning of the creation of the universe. He knows the workings of all creation, so he most certainly is able to give us wisdom in any situation in life that we may encounter. The book of Ecclesiastes is also attributed to Solomon. The main theme is the futility of life without a strong foundation in the Lord. The most well-known verses are found in chapter 3, where the writer states that, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, Ecclesiastes 3.1. While there are no direct prophecies of Christ, Solomon has been compared to Jesus as a picture of wisdom. But where Solomon failed to remain true to God at the end of his life, Jesus was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God who became our Redeemer. Perhaps the best advice that Solomon could give was recorded in his final chapter when he admonished all readers, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, Ecclesiastes twelve one a He also ended the last chapter with these words, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good, or whether it be evil. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. The Song of Solomon is a beautiful allegory of a bride and a bridegroom. The bride-to-be, at first, took the love of her fiancé for granted. When he knocked on the door one night, she was too sleepy and comfortable to get up and to let him in. He went away, and she finally realized what she was about to lose. Frantically, she dressed, and she began to search for him in the streets at night. She finally finds him and resolves never to let him go again. She summarizes her love in this way. Set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, and jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire." which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man gave all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be destroyed. Song of Solomon chapter eight verses six and seven. Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom, will pursue us relentlessly until we surrender to his love. Though we have nothing to offer him except our hearts, that is what he wants. He offers us eternal love and an eternal family. There is no greater love. Isaiah was one of the first prophets to give details of the future Messiah. In the second chapter of the book, the prophet foretells the time of Christ's millennial reign on the earth. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nations, and neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 2.4 in chapter 7, the prophet speaks of the miraculous birth of the future Messiah. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 The name Emmanuel means God with us. This is letting Israel and everyone else know that God himself will wrap himself in flesh and be born as a child in Bethlehem. God's Spirit indwelt the child Jesus in order to bring redemption not only to Israel, but to the entire world. Now, one of the most familiar passages in the book of Isaiah is found in the ninth chapter. It is the basis of Handel's Messiah, the majestic music usually heard at Christmas that exalts the birth of Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father and the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this isaiah 9 6 and 7 an interesting point on verse 6 is that during a Jewish wedding ceremony, the veil that covered the face of the bride was removed and laid upon the shoulder of the groom. Thus, the government of the home became the responsibility of the groom. In the same way, Jesus is the head of his bride, the church. In the millennial kingdom, he will rule from Jerusalem for 1,000 years apiece. The name of Jesus is the name above all names, according to Philippians two nine. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, and it means salvation. Again, it is emphasized in verse 6 that Jesus would be known not only as the Wonderful Counselor, but also the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Throughout the Old Testament, there are references to Jesus being the son of David and eventually sitting on the throne of David's descendants forever. Isaiah also writes of the character of Jesus, the eventual descendant of David. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears." But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah 11, 1-5 The chapter goes on to describe the conditions that will occur during the millennium when even the animal kingdom will be at peace with each other and with people. During that time, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, but not only will the Jews accept Jesus as their Messiah, but the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious, Isaiah 11, b When the Ethiopian eunuch was in a chariot on the way back home from a time of worship in Jerusalem, he was reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, but he did not understand what he was reading. The Lord directed Philip, one of the apostles, and evangelist, to approach the chariot and to explain to the man what he was reading. As a result, the eunuch received Jesus as his Savior, and he was baptized by Philip. This is what he was reading. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 1-5 This first section describes the crucifixion and how people reacted to Jesus and his death sentence. They did not realize that he was not only laying down his life for our salvation, but he also Purchased our physical and emotional healing. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 6 8. The eunuch was made to understand that this prophecy was about Jesus the Savior the power of the word of god led to his salvation to the man who and this man then took the gospel back to ethiopia when jesus was baptized at the start of his earthly ministry he then was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting praying and being tempted by satan at the end of this time jesus returned to his hometown of nazareth and walked into the synagogue there he was handed the book of isaiah to read the scripture portion for that day now, this was when all men who were 30 years of age were able to do this in the, in the synagogue there, and so each day there was written a different type of scripture, and this was what he read. The, scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2a now jesus stopped in the middle of verse 2 he did not finish that verse he did not read the rest of the verse that says in the day of the vengeance of our god to comfort all that mourn isaiah 6 61 2b The reason that the Lord did not finish reading that verse was that during his earthly ministry, it was not yet time to bring vengeance upon the enemies. That will occur at the end of the millennium. But he certainly fulfilled the first part of this prophecy. Not only did he heal multitudes of people, but he brought emotional healing to many as he sought to expand the kingdom of God on the earth. Though Jesus stopped reading in the middle of the second verse, the passage continues the prophecy about the future Messiah. He would comfort those who mourned. Jesus knew that death was the greatest enemy of man, and this came in through Adam and Eve, and it continued up until the time of Jesus. Yet Jesus became the first fruits of the resurrection and the life. He became that not only for the Jews, but for all mankind. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, Matthew 5 and verse 4. The Apostle Paul reassured the Thessalonian believers who had lost loved ones with these words, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, 1 Thessalonians four thirteen and 14. Isaiah continued his prophecy: To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Israel was to receive the first benefits of their Messiah if they accepted him. They had experienced centuries of persecution for being Jewish, but there was comfort and healing available in Christ. We will continue to follow the red thread through the Old Testament as we discover Jesus in every book. Until then, have a great week and keep looking up. Join us as we change the world.